All right. Good morning, CFC. I'm going to do that one more time because we're still talking, which is a good sign that we actually like each other. That's good. All right. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Ryan Jorgensen. In case you don't know who I am and you're somewhat new, I, I get the opportunity once in a while and they continue to let me come up and do sermons, which is a good thing. So I appreciate that. And I'm going to be able to do that this morning. Uh, would you open your Bibles with me and uh, turn them on those devices if you have that and make your way to the book of First Thessalonians. It's towards the back of the Bible. You can use your table of contents. If you don't have a Bible, we got you covered. You can download this app really quick. There's a Bible there. No reason for any of us not to be able to look at the text for ourselves. So 1 Thessalonians, it's been a great book. We've been going verse by verse through this as a church. And even more recently within it, we've been learning about seven essentials that it takes for you and I as God's people, part of a church, that these are actions that we need to do if we're going to have a healthy church. I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of a healthy church, not an unhealthy one. Amen to that, right? I mean, I've been a part of unhealthy ones and they're not any fun. So, but it takes all of us to do that. And so we've been learning about seven different essentials. And today we're going to jump into the the final one, the seventh. And so with that said, let's check it out. Look at verse 15 of chapter five. Here's what God says through Paul to you and I. See that no one repays one another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. So the overall idea is pretty simple. Don't repay evil. Instead, do good to those who do evil. We're going to break that out in a minute. But honestly, right out of the gate, there might be some here that if you're registering what God is saying here, you might be a little shocked. You might be asking yourself, no, wait a second. Are you telling me that God's telling me that Christians will be mean to each other? Are you telling me that Christians would actually do evil things to each other? No way. Right? <laughs> well, yes, that is what God is saying to us. And it happens. It happens more times than we might like to say. And I'll say this, if you're kind of shocked by this fact, I'll say, God bless your heart. Because that either means that you've been utterly spoiled by the Lord than to have to experience other Christians hurting you, or you're a new believer, praise God, and just give it some time because it's probably coming, okay? Because that's why God's writing about it, because it's gonna happen. He knows this happens. Because within a church, there are people and we all sin. We're gonna talk about that in a minute, but it's, there's a lot happening about this concept. We hurt each other. You know, I remember when I was in my early 20s in ministry and I was talking to a mom who had teenagers and she said to me something like this and I didn't really get it because I wasn't a parent yet. But she said, you know, your kids can be the ones who can hurt you the most because they're the closest to your heart. And isn't that a principle that's so true? The closer someone is to you, the more they have the opportunity, the chance to hurt you the most. Now help me out, church. How close are we supposed to be to one another? Close. We're supposed to be really good friends. I mean, what's the metaphor in the Bible? Family. We are to be family to each other. We should be the last ones to hurt each other. We should be able to count on one another. It, it hurts. And, uh, you know, I've, I've had a lot of evil and mean things done to me by unbelievers. 
And you know, you expect that, don't you? I mean, I went to public junior high, okay? So there's a lot of bad stuff that happens there. I worked in a lumber yard as a young adult. I have stood outside abortion clinics and tried to intervene for lives. I'm telling you, I've I've seen a lot and experienced a lot and it hurts, but you expect it. It's a whole different universe when another believer hurts you or does something mean or evil to you, isn't it? There's a couple of pastors I want to share with you what they say about this. Here's one. John MacArthur, he says, for Christians, the severest, most painful disappointments come not from the wickedness of the unbelieving world, but from other sheep within the church. Pastor James White says, if you dare open yourself up in ministry to establishing relationships, putting your heart out there, you are going to get your heart stabbed repeatedly by people you've given the shirt off your back to, prayed for, sacrificed for, who professed their love for you. It's just going to happen. And I'll say again, if you're here and you're like, I haven't experienced this, just count your many blessings today, but get ready. That's why God is writing this. We need to get ready for when it happens. But I'll say for the rest of us that have experienced the pain, the betrayal, the hurt by another believer. This is really hitting heavy, quick in the sermon, isn't it? And um, yeah, it, 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 it's hard. It's hard. And uh, in fact, you know, if you think about it, one of the top reasons that Christians who still love the Lord but stop going to church, you know what it is? They were hurt within a church. And that's why they're not going back. And maybe right now you're watching this online And that's why you're watching this online. It's you're having a hard time coming back here with other believers. And and if I'm going to be honest with you this morning, I've had my fair share of believers doing evil and mean things to me. I've had believers lie to me, slander about me, gossip about me, ruin my reputation in the eyes of many people wrongly. I've been abused by church leaders. I've been falsely accused of serious actions and motives that weren't true and etc. And kind of laying out my heart a little bit, kind of like the psalmist when they wrestle with God. I've wrestled with God at times, even as a pastor. And maybe you can relate with this too. There's been times that I've said, Lord, you know that I love you with all my heart. I believe in you, the gospel, the word of God. But is there any way I can somehow please you and not keep going back into local churches and getting pummeled by your people kind of prayers? And maybe some of you can relate with that. You know, in those moments, though, that's when God has reminded me of a couple foundational things that I need to hear that I'd love to share with you, too. In case this is where you're at or to prepare ahead of time, the next time someone within a church does something to you, here's the first thing he Reminds me something like this, son, need I remind you of how evil you are, (laughs) how sinful you are, that if it wasn't for my daily grace in your life, you would be one of the meanest people in my churches too, kind of reminder, okay? In other words, this is for all of us. We need to humbly remind yourself of your own evil, right? That we are totally and utterly sinful ourselves, where it wasn't just, uh, you know, the sins of the person doing evil to us who hung Jesus on the cross. It was my sins 
that hung Jesus on the cross, right? Where we can join people like the apostle Paul when he said, uh, he said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom what? I am foremost of all. Can we say that honestly about ourselves? I am the worst sinner if it wasn't for the grace of God. It's a healthy reminder, isn't it? In fact, why don't we just go ahead and turn to the person you came to church with and tell them how, no, don't do that, okay? All right, maybe that's taking a little too far, okay? (laughs) Some of you were like, I wanted to do that. Don't do that, okay? Um, But we need to hear it at least between us and the Lord and and, and we are, we're sinners, right? Now, some of you might be saying, wait a second, I, I got up for church today. I came to get something positive. I need to lift it up. Why are you tearing me down? Here's why, here's why. Listen to what Jesus said. Whoever exalts himself shall be what? Humbled. And whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. It is a healthy and holy reminder. Here's why. Because if we don't remind ourselves of our own sinful nature, we will grow into self-righteousness. There's all sorts of things that can go crazy when we start doing that, right? And so this is the first thing the Lord reminds me of, and maybe we can all be practicing that. But then the other thing reminds me in those wrestles, God, I can't stand this. Why do I have to go back? And he says something like this, Ryan, son, you know from my word, from the scriptures, that it is my design for you to be fully participating in the life of a local church for my glory and for your good and your growth. So get back in there kind of reminders, right? In other words, all of us, we need to make sure we believe in the local church Despite evil, evil will be present in churches. Why? Again, because there's people here, right? And we're all sinners. It's going to happen, but we cannot give up on God's will for us to be in a local church. So let me help define the local church or define the church, the church of Jesus Christ. There's two ways you can look at it. Simultaneously, they're both always same and true at the same time. So there's the universal and then there's the local, or there's the macro, and there's the micro. So let's start with the universal, the the macro. That is talking about all true believers of all time, alive now, already those in heaven. Basically, you can press fast forward, and by the time the world's done, and we're all in heaven, it's everybody who's in heaven. That's the universal church. And I have not found a Christian who struggles with that concept of the church, of that definition, because even those of us that get hurt, we're like, well, we're, we're down with the universal church in heaven because when we get to heaven, there's no more what? Sin and no more hurting each other, right? So we're all good with that. It's the local church part of the definition where the struggle gets real, doesn't it? You see, God has designed and his will is that the church universal would exist within local churches this side of eternity where we come together and we have the Lord's Supper together, we celebrate one another's baptisms together, where we worship corporately like we are right now, where we carry out the 40 or so one another commands in the New Testament together. In fact, the verse we're looking at today is one of those 40 one another's, you see? And so he has called us to do that. And, and, and when you study the 40, some of them make no sense Unless you're with Christians who actually know who you are and they know who you are and back and forth, you see, I think I said that wrong, but you get the point, okay? But where you know each other, right? And so in fact, there's other places like in Proverbs 18, one that says, he who isolates himself seeks his own desire and he breaks out against all sound judgment, which means God is saying it is both selfish and foolish 
to pull out of a local church of Christians in your life. It's God's design. It's his will for us, for our good, our growth, and his glory. And so I'll tell you what, we can't, be, we can't give up believing in the local church. Evil will be there, but we don't have the option to give up on it. And so before we move on with these couple foundational points, you know, I, I just want to take a moment right now, if you don't mind, I'd love to do a little bit of ministry. Because again, for those of you who haven't been hurt by other Christians, again, count your blessings. That's awesome. I'm happy for you. But for the rest of us, there, some of us, we, we still just need the Lord to do some healing in us. Maybe even right now, maybe you're sitting there and you're like, it is, you don't understand how big it is that I'm in the room right now. And maybe you're watching this online right now and you are not here again because you've been hurt. I'd love to pray for us. Is that okay? And for those of you who are in a good place in this, would you pray for the rest of us that still need the Lord to do some work? So let's just pray, Lord Jesus, as much as we would love that our church and all the churches are perfect and no one's hurting each other, and, and we look forward to that day in heaven, but this side of eternity, we bite and devour each other sometimes. And so right now, we just pray first of all, that you would keep us from self-righteousness and just remind ourselves that when those times happen, when someone does something to us, that we remember our own sin and we stay humble. But Lord, I also pray that you would give healing to those that still maybe need some healing and that you would help us to give forgiveness where there needs to be forgiveness. And finally, I pray for anybody that maybe, again, they are listening right now and they have given up on the local church right now. I pray that you would give them the grace to take the risk again, to get back into a healthy church and that, Lord, they would find healing and grace by you within a church in the days to come. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. We say together, amen. 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 I hope that speaks to some. I know I needed it because I've had a lot in my life, but all right, so those are some foundational truths. Now looking at our text, okay, someone does something to us. What do we do? Look at the verse again. See that no one repays another with evil for evil. So really simple, right? Do not repay evil for evil when someone does that to you. And we know from elsewhere in the scriptures that not only do we not retaliate, we forgive them as we do that. Amen? And so this is a simple concept, though, of not repaying evil that every human being that's ever grown up as a kid has been, we've been ingrained with this by people in our lives, right? We're two or three years old, we're playing with the toy, another two or three year old comes up and yanks the toy without asking out of our hand, and what do we do? We pray for them. No, we don't. We grab the toy, right? Without asking. We, we, we do, right? And so some adult comes around and they correct us rightfully. And, and this is a stuff that we're teaching all the time. And yet, how hard is it to not repay evil? It's hard. Man, it was sobering for me to think through my own life. How many times have I failed? There was a time when I was a teenager and where I saw some victory, but then a major fail. Like I was getting bullied by a kid down the road. And uh, many times by God's grace, I would not repay evil. But I had a weak moment, had some buddies come over and sleep over at night. And I got a bright idea. Let's go down and vandalize this guy's yard. 
And I'm not talking about innocent teeping stuff. I'm talking about illegal level stuff. But you know, I love, there's a verse in the Bible that says when you're God's child, he's gonna get you caught in your sin. He got me caught and I'm thankful. And I'm thankful for godly parents who made me go down and knock on the door and apologize in person to the parents and then go fix the stuff that I broke. And it was humbling. And you know what? The guy, the boy never repented to me for what he did, but it doesn't matter, right? I needed to do what I needed to do. And, and I learned a lesson that day, but, on, but honestly, again, every time when someone does something mean or evil, believer or not, doesn't matter, what's my first reaction? Oh Lord, just bless them. Is that yours? It's probably not, okay? If it is, you're a saint and you're awesome, okay? But most of us, we have thoughts going through our head, and sometimes we're acting on those thoughts of a repayment, aren't we? We got to stay away from that. And so here's the thing though. What do we do? What if, what if we have repaid evil for evil? First, we got to get right vertically with God. We got to confess to him. Our sin to someone else is actually is sin to him. And we got to ask him, but here's the beautiful thing. Doesn't matter what we've done. If we repent, he will forgive us. It's beautiful, but it can't stop there. Jesus says this. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, which means you're just worshiping the Lord, you're reading his word, you're praying, you're corporately worshiping, whatever it is. And there you remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your offering there before the altar and go first be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. You see, God is saying, it's not just enough to get right with me. You need to get, try to be right with the person you've sinned against. You might be saying, but wait, wait, wait. They didn't say sorry to me first and they did the first thing. That's irrelevant, right? If we have repaid evil, we need to also go to them, ask for forgiveness. Now, whether they forgive us or not, that we can't control that right? But what we can control is doing our part. So the next time it happens and we fall and we repay, get right with the Lord, receive his immediate forgiveness, but get right with that person as much as possible, okay? Now here's the other thing. The next time, not if, but when, somebody does evil to you, what do we do? We pray really quick, Lord, help me not to do that thought that just went in my head, right? Lord, help me to have the power to not do this. And then after that, forgive them in your heart. Forgive them in your heart. All right? So that's what we're not supposed to do. What are we supposed to do? Let's look at the text again. As you finish it out, he says, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. So pretty simple, right? Always do what is good for those who do evil to you. Now, you notice that word always, man, I wish that word wasn't there for multiple reasons. But what God is saying is this, hey, guys, this isn't going to be a one and done deal in your life. Like it's just going to happen one time and then you get over it like chicken pox. Okay. But like, like this is going to happen in your life throughout your life. People are going to do mean things to you. That's what the word always is there for. And so what are we always supposed to do? Well, to do good for those who do evil to you is what we're supposed to do. But there's some questions for me on this. As I look at that, I'm like, okay, what does that mean? How, how does that look to do good for those who do evil to me? And, and, and is there a difference between doing good for someone versus necessarily doing good to them? Those kinds of questions. Now, if you notice in the text there, 
Paul doesn't elaborate on this, does he? He just drops the bomb of the, of the idea, and then by the next verse, he's going to completely change gears. But it's probably because he has other things in his mind that he knows his audience has, which is the words of Jesus that elaborate on what does it look like to do good for those who do evil to you. So we're going to switch to a different passage now in Matthew chapter 5. So would you turn to your Bibles if you want there? I'm going to have it on the screen as well. And here's Jesus expounds on the concept, what does it look like to do good for those who do evil and not repay? So looking at Matthew chapter 5, verse 38, see if this sounds familiar. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Does that sound familiar? Okay, we've heard this before. And by the way, he's quoting Leviticus chapter 24 right there, okay? But going on, but I say to you, do not resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, I think this translation's wrong. It's supposed to say, knock him out. Is that what yours says? All right, maybe not. All right, Jesus. Whoever slaps you on your right cheek, do what? Turn the other to him also. He goes on. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks of you and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said. Now he's going to quote Leviticus 19. You shall love your neighbor. That's the end of the quote. And then he, he, he adds this in. We'll talk about this later. And hate your enemy. In other words, that's not in the text. But he says, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So let's break this down. Overall, what is Jesus saying to do to love everyone, a.k.a. our neighbors? And then who is he telling us to to, to uh, not hate. Uh, who are we supposed to hate? No one, right? I mean, nobody, all right? So that's the overall idea. That makes sense. Now, remind me though, as I said, he quotes a couple times, Leviticus 19 and Leviticus 24, as he's teaching this. And remind me who, who ultimately wrote the book of Leviticus through the prophet Moses. Help me out, Sunday school answer. Oh, that was better than second service. You can brag about that later. Okay, so God, right? God wrote Leviticus. Now, is Jesus here in Matthew 5? Is he contradicting what God the Father said in Leviticus, specifically about taking an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth? Is he doing that? In other words, is Jesus saying, hey guys, now listen, listen. I know my father said in Leviticus 24 to take an eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. And I also know he said in Leviticus 19, love your neighbor. But you know, my father's kind of getting old in life and uh, he's getting a little confused. And so I think I need to help him by helping you to understand what he really meant. He actually meant the love your neighbor part, not the eye for an eye part. Is that what Jesus is doing here? It's not. He's not contradicting the father. And get this, the father, God himself in Leviticus, those are not contradicting points. So let me help, hopefully, try to explain what's going on between those, okay? Leviticus, like a lot of the books of the Bible, are written to multiple audiences at the same time. Leviticus is written to at least these two audiences, the Israelite nation as a whole, the government, and then also to individual Israelites, people, okay? So Leviticus 19, love your neighbor, that's written to every individual you should love your neighbor, Okay, the Pharisees added the hate your neighbor enemy thing. Okay, but the, anyway, so that's there. Leviticus 24 is written to the government of the Israelites 
to say this is how you carry out justice for crimes that are done. And the government, when they do this, they're not being mean or evil. This is holy justice is what this is. And even in Romans 13, in 1 Peter chapter 3 today, in the New Testament, the government is ordained by God to do what? To punish those who do evil. They are not being mean or evil. They are doing what God has called them to do. But see, it makes a big difference about if you take a governmental command and start applying it to an individual or you crisscross those kinds of things, you, you start to mess up what it really meant. So let me maybe try to help illustrate this with a hypothetical scenario. Let's say this, this beautiful, good-looking section of the room right here. And let's say some guy out of this section runs up here and says, I don't like you, I don't like what you're saying, pours a milkshake on me and, and says, I'm not gonna let this service continue on. Now, let's say that a police officer is in, uh, in uniform on duty, happens to be here and sees it. And what do they do? They start running up to do what? Their job, right? They see disorder, they're gonna bring order and that's what they should do. But let's say that I say, oh, thank you so much, officer. I appreciate you willing to do your job, but you know what? I got this, just hang tight. And I, I yank out of my one pocket some handcuffs and I yank out of my other pocket a taser, which I always conveniently carry with me at all times. And I tase the guy, I, I put the handcuffs on him. I drag him out of, the, out of the building. You're all following me like, what is going on? I put him in my vehicle. And as I'm driving, I yell out, Leviticus 24, eye for an eye. This guy's going to stake and shake. He's getting a milkshake, see ya. You know, what would you do, right? More bigger question would be, would that be right of me to do that? No, of course not. Why? It's not my job to do that. Let the government do their job. My job as an individual is to love my neighbor, even my enemy. Do you see how it's important that we understand what's going on in those, okay? And so now that we understand better, Here's what Jesus is saying though. He's saying, hey, listen, let the government do their job from God. You as a person, love your neighbor. But still, Jesus, how do we do good for those who do evil to us? And basically, Jesus, are you telling me that as a Christian, I need to become a punching bag, a doormat, an enabler of abusers? These are all interesting questions. And I believe Jesus answers all of them in our text. So let's look at verse 39, for instance. Jesus says, But I say to you, do not resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. I need a volunteer to help us to illustrate this, Dallas. You're right there. Come on up here. All right. Dallas is shy to be on stage, so I thought I'd call him up. Um, <laughs> So, so here's the thing with this though. See, the problem is you know this already, but you gotta, you gotta work with me, okay? You're gonna work with me. Okay, he was here last service. Uh, okay, but here's the thing. This is, this is thought provoking. Remember in the Middle Eastern culture, people are what hand usually, what hand? Right-handed. In fact, it's looked down upon to be left. And so everybody tried to be right if they weren't naturally. Okay, right-handed. And, um, and, and, and this is acting out, Dallas. Okay, please act this out. Don't do this for real. I want you to slowly act out as if you're going to slap me on my right cheek. Right cheek. Okay. All right. Go for it. All right. Now, that's your left hand. We would need a right hand because these are right-handed people. Now slap me on my right. 
Okay, now, how many of you are going to hit someone like that, right? That's not going to happen, right? Instead, do it the way that in that culture they would do it, with the right hand, right hand. Uh, with the right hand. It'd be the back. Of oh, the back, like this, yeah. Yes. Do you see? My right cheek, right-handed person, backhand slap. Thank you. Let's give a round of applause. Very good. You see? And again, as in America, when's the last time you saw someone do a backhanded slap? You don't see it. In the Middle East, that is not an attack. Let me tell you what Jesus is not saying. Jesus is not saying, let people attack you and don't defend your life. Let people attack your family and don't defend your family. In fact, there are verses in the Bible that says to defend your life and defend your family from attacks. Okay? So God, again, does not contradict himself. What Jesus is saying, he's not, this is not, in their culture, this is a backhanded slap, which is an insult, is what that is. See, it's a big difference. And here's what Jesus is saying. The next time someone insults you, don't repay. Let them do it again. Forgive them. That's what Jesus is saying. Now, how is that good, though, to not repay turn the other cheek, let him insult you again. How is that good for the person who's doing it, right? We're seeking after what's good for them. How is it good? Here it is. We're showing them a better way of life when we don't repay, right? Because again, what's the first thought in anybody's mind when someone does something evil to you? It's to repay, right? You got to give it back. And when we choose not to and instead forgive, we are modeling for these individuals a better way of life, a better way of relationships. And you're going to see in an illustration later, it it blows their mind. Because really, sometimes, especially the repeat offender people that just constantly are doing mean things to people, sometimes they don't really know a better way. I mean, their whole family life, uh, like growing up was like that. Their workplace, maybe their home life now. Like they need to be shown a better way of life. That's one way we can help them. What's another way? Looking at Jesus here in verse 40, Jesus says this. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let them have your coat also. Okay? So, again, we have to understand context. In the Middle East, in that day, if someone is suing you, so you owe them something. There's, not, there's no argument that you owe them something. And they could sue you. And, and if you don't have the money to pay it back, you actually could pay it back in the value of clothing is what could happen. That's what he's talking about. But he's saying, hey, someone tries to get your shirt that's less value than a coat. So what's happened is, let's say that someone, you owe someone money for whatever reason, you're not paying them back quickly. They're mad. Now they're suing you. Now they're doing evil and they're trying to get more out of you than what you really do owe them. You see how that's played out? And here's what he's saying. You know what? Just give it to them. In other words, here's how we can help someone. Give them more than you owe It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Love them. Give it to them. Try to diffuse the situation from where it's at. There was a time that I got to see this played out rather beautifully in in my life. And I, I was a part of a uh, a collective ministry that all these local churches would work together to advance the gospel. We would pool our monies together to, to do that. Well, unfortunately, there was a day when it came out that the leaders of the collaborative ministry had been mishandling some of the money that all these churches were putting together. 
But then something beautiful happened. They owned it, repented of it to us pastors, said, we're not only just going to give you back every dollar that you guys gave, but out of their own monies, gave way more to everyone because they were listening to the words of Jesus, saying, you know what? We're going to diffuse. We want peace. We want unity. It was a beautiful, beautiful thing. So here's the thing. Next time you owe somebody something, first of all, don't get to the point where they have to sue you, okay? Like pay back quick. I mean, there's all those principles, right? But even if it gets to that place and now they're doing evil and mean because, right? Then just go above and beyond and give more. It's not worth it. Do what you can to bring peace to the situation. Well, what else? Here's another thing Jesus says in verse 44, a way we can do good to those who do evil to us. Jesus says, but I say to you, love your enemies and what? Pray for those who persecute you and pray for those who do evil to you and believers or not, doesn't matter. It's simple, right? Pray for them. It's not a hard concept, (laughs) but to do it, it's a whole different boat, isn't it? Again, when someone does something mean or evil to you, what's the first thought in your mind? Oh, I want to pray for them, right? (laughs) It's usually not. It's a lot of other things. And I have found that when I'm praying for someone that does something mean to you, it's actually doing more work in my heart, I think, than anything, isn't it? Just praying, Lord, would you just, you know, help me to forgive them and, you know, help them to see what they've done because they haven't seen it clearly yet, if possible, and those kinds of things. So we want to pray for them. There's a couple other ways that we can do good for those. This one, I'm going to go out of this text into another one in Matthew. And it's going to sound familiar because we just actually had a whole sermon on this. Matthew 18, 15. Jesus said, if your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. And then if you keep reading through that, it's what we call the process of church restoration or church discipline, if need be, and the different steps of that, right? And again, Doug just did a whole sermon. I encourage you to get online and watch that. But the point is this, is we need to make sure we're trying to seek reconciliation with someone who does evil to us. And this is obviously to believers, but even these first couple steps of one-on-one and two or more can actually be applied to unbeliever relationships too, right? We need to try to go to that person and to reconcile with them. I just had a beautiful opportunity to do this with someone just recently. And it is, it's truly awesome when it works, when it happens. But here's the thing, you can't control on their end, right? But we gotta try to do what we can do. And of course, we forgive them through it all. Well, there's one final way that we can do good for those who harm us that I wanna touch on, and that is in 1 Peter 3, 9. He says, don't return evil for evil or insult for insult. That sounds familiar, right? But what? Give a blessing instead. That's what I wanna highlight. We wanna make sure we're giving a blessing. Bless them with words of kindness. And I would expound that beyond words even, right? Actions, a gift, uh, I'm going to serve. Like, and, and here's the thing, this is irrelevant whether they have owned and repented of their evil they did to begin with. This is many times when they haven't repented, I'm going to choose to forgive, to pray, but I'm going to find a way to bless this individual. I'm going to write a note complimenting them. I'm going to say it verbally, face-to-face. I'm going to, you know, find a way to serve them. I'm going to do something for them. And here's the thing. When you look at this list, 
Intellectually, it's not that hard to get it. But practically, let's be honest, it's hard, isn't it? But you know what I love about our Lord Jesus? Is that when you're born again, we have the Holy Spirit in us. He would never call us to do something he would empower us to be able to do. And if we ask the Lord to help us the next time, not if, but when someone does evil to us, we can live these things out. And not only is it amazing what it does in our own hearts, but here's what's really cool. It does great work in the heart of the person who's done something to us. In fact, there's this awesome story I wanna share with you in a video of a couple Christians and an unbeliever. Check this out. We'll go back to 2013 to fellow atheist Jacqueline Glenn just after she had seen our film Evolution vs. God. She wasn't too excited about it. I make fun of people like you, okay? I take idiotic extremists like you and make them look like a fool. Listen, sometimes people like you deserve to be insulted, okay? Sometimes people are worthy of being insulted in the worst possible way and you are at the top of that list. Because you, sir, are certainly deserving of insults. But you know what? You deserve worse than that, in my opinion. Calling you stupid isn't good enough. You are a liar. You are a con man. This guy's a scam artist. He's conning everyone. If you don't know who Ray Comfort is, he is Banana Man. That's Ray Comfort. He is the guy who made the documentary, documentary, Evolution versus God, that I debunked. Now, this was a long time ago, and because of that video that I made that actually got quite a bit of attention, <laughs> Ray Comfort hates me. I just went through uh, my mail, and I got this letter, um, and this is the, one of the craziest things I've ever gotten in my P.O. box. Um, <laughs> but this particular letter, when I opened it, my jaw hit the floor, and you guys are going to see. But <laughs> this, this is what I got in my P.O. box. It totally. This person sent me a $100 gift card, which is, that's a, that's a lot of money, so I was surprised. And then I, <laughs> I look at this letter, and it's, it's a very short letter, but it says, Jacqueline, from Ray and Sue Comfort. P.S. Saw your review of Christmas Gone Viral. BTW, I don't hate you, smiley face. I'm not even kidding. I don't think that this is a joke. I think this really is him. Uh, and, and that's amazing that if he, if he doesn't really hate me, I think that is amazing because I have not been uh, censored or I, I haven't been gentle in going after some of the things he's posted on the internet. But if he wants to, if he wants to be friends, Ray Comfort, if you're watching this, I would totally make a video with you. Uh, if you are interested in an interview or a debate of some kind or just a silly video saying hello, it doesn't have to be anything too crazy. It can be something, you know, that we both agree is comfortable. I would totally make a video with you, but this just blew my mind. I can't believe I got a, I got a card, a gift card too from Ray Comfort and he saw my, he saw my video review. That just like, it made my day. I just, I had to open with this because I, I mean, I don't know if, I don't know if people understand 
the gravity of this for me. I have been feuding with Ray Comfort for like four years. Okay, the first video I made against him was like forever ago. And then he made a video back at me and it was this crazy thing. So for this to happen now, after all of this time, it's just like, psh. but anyways, I'm super excited about it. And the rest of uh, the rest of the mail that I That's pretty cool, isn't it? <clears throat> I mean, that's Jesus living through a person like Ray and Sue. And think about, I mean, I love how Jesus goes, it really is. It, it is mind-blowing compared to what this world is like. We repay evil for evil. But they modeled that, they applied those things, and God is doing a great work, and they actually ended up doing a video and things, and you can pray for her. So she hasn't given life to the Lord, but it has open dialogue where there wasn't dialogue before. And as awesome as that is of an inspiration of a story, we have a way, way better one, don't we? And his name is what? Jesus, right? That even while we were still sinners, that's what the scripture says. Even while you and I, by our sins, were nailing his arms and his feet on that cross. And even while our own, by our own sins, we were flogging him and tearing his body to pieces. Jesus didn't repay, did he? He prayed for us. He forgave us. And he blessed us with the most amazing blessing ever, his own life, which has paid the price for all of our sins to be forgiven if we receive it through faith and repentance. Wow. What a model of someone. And as I said, not only has Jesus modeled it, he's given us the spirit to actually be able to do it. And so here's the thing. I want to close with this. I don't want to be just a hearer of the word, but also a doer. Do you agree with me on that? So let's do a little business with the Lord. Would you take out your pen? Take out your bulletin. I want you to think about, start with Christians. That's our first sphere, if you will. Is there any Christian who has done evil or mean to you that maybe you need to do a little bit more of one of these things with? Maybe you haven't forgiven them yet and you're gonna forgive them. Maybe you haven't sought reconciliation and you're gonna do that very soon. Maybe you're not praying for them. You're gonna pray for them. Maybe you're gonna find a way to bless them in the next couple of weeks. Would you do that? And if you can't think of a Christian, praise the Lord, but then think about maybe an unbeliever. And let's just do that. The worship team is gonna sing a song over us as we apply God's word today. Let us be kind as he is kind. So love as he has loved. May the goodness of the Father flow through us. With every moment
on down. What if you would stand with me as we declare this? I know it may be new, but, but this would be our prayer as his people, that we would be like he is. We would do what he does. Let us be kind as he is kind. Show love as he has loved. Every moment that he gives, would our minds be more like his? May the kindness of our Savior flow through us. May his kindness, his God of peace himself sanctify you entirely and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's declare this together. Faithful is he who calls us and he also bring it to pass. I hope you're encouraged as I am. Thank you for coming today. Um, Hope you have a blessed rest of the day and we'll see you next time.